Welcome to the Worship Podcast for Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts, for Sunday, September 27th, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your faith journey, you are welcome to journey with us. Our podcast has reached an important milestone. You can now subscribe to it through Apple Podcasts. Search for Grace Worship Podcast on the app from your iPhone or iPad, and new episodes will be downloaded automatically each week. Just look for our logo because, you know, there are a few other Grace Churches out there. Thanks to Rowan Larson for the tech know-how to make this happen.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace, that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 and 25 through 32. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Know that all lives are mine the life of the parent, as well as the life of the child, is mine. It is only the person who sins that shall die. Yet, you say, the way of the Lord is unfair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? When the righteous turn away from their righteousness and commit iniquity, they shall die for it. For the iniquity that they have committed, they shall die. Again, when the wicked turn away from the wickedness they have committed and do what is lawful and right, they shall save their life. Because they considered and turned away from all the transgressions that they had committed, they shall surely live. They shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is unfair. O house of Israel, are my ways unfair? 
Is it not your ways that are unfair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, all of you according to your ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions. Otherwise, iniquity will be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed against me and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. Turn then and live. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Lead me in your truth, O Lord, and teach me. To you, Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Let the treacherous be disappointed in their schemes. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, In you have I trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions, Remember me according to your love and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Gracious and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in his way. He guides the humble in doing right and teaches his way to the lowly. Lead me in your truth, O Lord, and teach me. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. 
let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Your labor is not in cursed and stained, your planting and reaping are never the same, but your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not Finally with love.
laughter and joy be filled the serpent that hurts and destroys shall be killed and all that is broken be healed Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, Then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I don't know about you, but I really needed to hear that quietly powerful anthem by Wendell Kimbrough, played so beautifully by Chris Hosfeld. Your labor is not in vain. It is so easy to become discouraged and disillusioned these days, to become overwhelmed by grief or anxiety. 
signs of systemic failure and breakdown stemming from greed, hatred, and white supremacy are all around us. This week, like so many of you, I am mourning the death of the Honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg and also fearful of what her death may mean for the basic rights of millions of people. I am lamenting that neither of the officers that killed Breonna Taylor in her home will be charged or held responsible for her death. I am fearful that the president has made numerous statements about the election, implying that he will not concede or transfer power if he were to lose, which would throw our democratic process into chaos. I am lamenting that we have crossed the 200,000 mark of American deaths from COVID with something like a 1,000 new cases a day. 200,000 is just about twice the population of Newton. How to even picture it? There is a real paradox here. On the one hand, we see the tremendous impact and influence that one person can have for good or for ill on the lives of millions of people. And yet we can also feel powerless, caught up in a broken system perpetuated by forces that seem out of our control. Our labor, our work of serving, caring, learning, offering our gifts can feel ineffectual or even pointless but our labor is not in vain. The Christian life is entirely premised on the joy of the gospel and the light of Christ in us shining out into the world. The promise of abundant life with God that we can begin to realize in this life and which will continue to unfold in the next life is the whole point. But the Christian life is not an easy path. It's not the path of least resistance. We get a sense of these twin truths about the Christian life, the joy of the gospel, and also the difficulties of the journey in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul has tremendous affection for this congregation. They have their issues, which include a big disagreement between two of the matriarchs of the church, which he weighs in on in a different chapter. But for the most part, the folks at Philippi have been eager to learn from Paul They are following Jesus the best they know how, and their ministry is bearing fruit and prospering. Paul's letter to them mentions joy over and over again, which is notable since he is writing to them from prison. After urging them to make his joy complete by being of one mind and loving each other, he then quotes a hymn. The hymn tells the story of Jesus' incredible self-emptying as he put aside his divinity and took on human nature and a human identity, humbling himself even to the point of death on the cross for the life of the world. And for this, God exalts him with the name that is above every name. Paul quotes this hymn, and then he continues his instructions to the Philippians. Therefore, he says, in light of what Jesus has done, this self-emptying and humbling of himself for the life of the world, now this is what you should do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This verse has captured my attention since childhood. In a letter full of joy and encouragement, Paul includes this one verse that really summarizes the struggle of every follower of Jesus and every congregation formed in his name when they truly take the gospel story and try to make it their own. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
Nearly every English edition of the Bible has this exact phrasing from the Greek. There's not really another way to say it. You might be asking, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure it's Jesus who saves us and not ourselves, so what's up with that? And yes, just to clarify, it is still Jesus who saves us. Paul is saying, you have been given this gift of salvation, and now it's up to you to actualize it, to complete it. Each of us, having received the gift of grace, having made our baptismal promises, each of us must work out for ourselves what our Christian life, our regenerated life, is going to look like. We have been called by name by God, and each of us must work out how we are going to answer that call. What will it look like to live out your answer to God's call in real time, in the circumstances of your life, in this historical moment? We love God because God first loved us. But what shape is that love going to take on in my life, in yours? What will that answering love look like for me, for you? That is working out your own salvation. It is fearsome work. It's awesome, holy, daunting work. When we come close to God and God comes close to us, we are in the presence of a power that shakes us to our foundation, fear and trembling. And I would say fear and trembling not only because of who God is, not only because of the recognition that the omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God is at work in us, as Paul says, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is fear and trembling, not only because doing this work brings us closer than we've ever been to God's heart. There is also fear and trembling because of what we're up against. In Christian theology, evil is not defined as merely the absence of good. Evil is a power and a principality. In other words, it's real. It's a force to be reckoned with. We don't have to reckon with it forever. As we heard in the anthem, the serpent that hurts and destroys will be killed, and all that is broken be healed. We don't have to reckon with evil forever, but we have to reckon with it now. On the Sundays when we have a baptism at Grace, I meet with the family at the font before the service. Usually we are baptizing an infant or a younger child, and so I've met with the parents before, but I haven't yet met the godparents or the grandparents or other family. I go over the promises and responses with them, and you know that pretty much the first thing that happens after they present the child and promise to raise the child in the Christian faith is that I say, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And then I say, do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? And then... Do you renounce all the sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? And three times the sponsors respond, I renounce them. Now, there's a reason we begin with that. It does tend to catch the baptismal families off guard. After all, they've just met me. They're all dressed up. The adorable baby is in its adorable outfit. And I lead off with, you know, Satan. But these triple renunciations are not just some old-fashioned thing that we forgot to take out when the prayer book was revised. The liturgical theologian Alexander Schmemann writes, The first act of the Christian life 
is a renunciation, a challenge. No one can be Christ's until they have first faced evil and then become ready to fight it. Shmeman continues, How far is the spirit from the way in which we often proclaim, or to use a more modern word, sell Christianity today? Is it not usually presented as a comfort, help, release from tensions, a reasonable investment of time, energy, and money? One does not see very well where and how fight would fit into the weekly bulletin of a suburban parish. That's from Shmeman's excellent book, For the Life of the World. To truly work out your own salvation with fear and trembling calls up again the triple renunciation of your baptism. For to follow Christ means to reject, to resist, to renounce evil, to call it out and then cast it out. That is part of the sacred work we've been given to do, even in the suburbs. But we don't fight alone, for it is God who is at work in us. And we don't fight alone because we also have each other. We are Christians in community. We're in this fight together. I wonder if the church at Philippi had a mission statement or what strategic visioning looked like in the first century. They certainly thought in terms of mission. It's clear that they sometimes struggled to get on the same page in terms of what they ought to do and where they ought to focus. It's tough in any group of people where there are strong personalities and strong opinions. We can relate to that at Grace. We spent a lot of time about a year ago having a series of conversations where we were working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We called it the Jeremiah Project, but that's essentially what it was. It was, if not a fearful process, uh, very much daunting and urgent. We had a lot of ideas and thoughts on all the things we want to do and become and on how we are going to carry the best of who we've been and what we've done into the future. Many, many easel pads gave their lives for our mission, vision, and value process last fall. And in case you've forgotten, here was the mission statement that we came up with. Grace is a source of spiritual restoration and strength to prepare and inspire our members and our community to be conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus, to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. That is our collective answer to God's call. Now we have to work out the next part, how to incarnate the statement, how to give it flesh and bones and breath. We really labored on this last fall and winter. After our annual meeting, the vestry had a beautiful spreadsheet with all the ways we were going to begin implementing these values, uh, vision, and mission. The coronavirus had other plans for us in the spring, but our labor was not in vain. Even with COVID, even with our bell tower, even and especially in light of the state of our nation today, we are going to keep working out our salvation with fear and trembling at Grace Church. With fear and trembling and also with joy and generosity and equanimity and patience and caring and laughter and food. Eventually, eventually we will bring back the food. God is at work in us and God's work is never in vain. 
Your labor in the day-to-day work and responsibilities of your life is not in vain. You are beloved and you have been given a holy calling. You will be given the grace you need to answer it. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We join with other churches around the world and observing these next Sundays as part of the season of creation. Let us pray for the revealing of the reign of God in the world, now and always. Creator of earth, sea, and sky, kindle the fire of your Spirit within us, that we may be bold to heal and defend the earth, and pour your blessing upon all who work for the good of the planet. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Breath of life, receive our thanks for the beauty of our local habitat and all who dwell in it, and grant us the wisdom and will to conserve it. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Source of life, heal and redeem the wounds of your creation and visit the places and people who suffer from our indifference, neglect, and greed. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Lover of all you have made, we thank you for the wondrous diversity of your creatures, and we pray for their well-being. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Author of the Book of Nature, receive our gratitude for places of restoration and healing, and continue to bless those places that feed our lives and spirits. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Wise creator, whose works are full of mystery, give us wonder and appreciation for your creatures with whom we find ourselves in conflict. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Divine physician, heal our communities, especially those where neglect, greed, or violence inflict suffering upon people other creatures, and the land. We pray especially for all those suffering from COVID-19 and for all doctors, nurses, and health professionals who care for them. We pray for medical researchers and those working towards a vaccine. We give thanks for those who have offered themselves as participants in vaccine trials. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Comforter of all the earth, sustain the people of this congregation who desire or need your presence and help. We pray for all students in K-12, 
college, and graduate school, and for all teachers, professors, and school administrators. We pray for those who are grieving and those struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction. We pray for those who are lonely and isolated. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Giver of all good gifts, awaken us daily to our dependence upon your bounty and make us always thankful for the abundance of your blessings. We pray for all those who are blessed with a birthday this week. Susan, Jamie, Colin, Emily, and James. We pray for all who worship and minister at Grace Church, giving thanks especially for the Grace Church Book Group, with thanksgiving for their thoughtful discussion and warm fellowship. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Rock and refuge of all your creatures, receive into everlasting mercy all those who have died, especially Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Alandria Williams. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Eternal God, the light of all who know you, come and fill our hearts with your love. Help us speak when many keep silent. Help us stand for what is right when many sit in indifference. Increase our faith and charity until your kingdom comes and heaven and earth rejoice in everlasting glory. Through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. A prayer for the power of the Spirit among the people of God. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to enkindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, Break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest and grow in the Spirit. 
wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that was the Lord of this to lay aside? peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir featuring section leaders Kristen Buaben, Diane Drost, Stephen M, and John Yanis. We also thank our music director and organist Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lectors Yvonne Gomez-Carrion and Reich Lent, and our lay reader Rowan Larson. Thank you so much for joining us today, and you can find out more about Grace Church at our website, gracenewton.org. I hope you join us again next week.